the boom really was a result of mobile. Because going back again, when, when you say mobile, you mobile, mean like mobile phones. phone technology. Okay, yeah, yeah, tablets and mobile phone. What used to be, again, traditional client server, meaning you had a laptop, a desktop, talking yeah. to some back end system. Um, that was pretty much that was tech. Yeah. Tech is now mobile. Yeah, that's true. So all the develop software development things that are happening are pretty much being done for consumption by a mobile device. Welcome to another episode of Tech is a New Black, your source to discover experts in the technology space that are sharing exclusive secrets in this industry, all meant to help you break into tech, scale in this industry, and of course, launch your own billion dollar startup. Y'all, we have a guest today that I'm incredibly excited about. The most senior guest we've had in terms of knowledge, in terms of tenure in this industry and within this space, who has seen a lot. He's seen, he's seen a lot. And I mean, y'all gonna see it here. I'm very excited to have him, especially someone that uh, that I met before even stepping into this space. So this is really cool. You've all heard a lot from me, someone who is still young in tech. And now you're going to be able to hear from my guest who has just a obscene amount of knowledge about everything that's happened in this industry and the changes. Let me go ahead. As always, got to read off his bio. So that way y'all not just hearing it from me. We could put some respect on my guest's name. <laughs> so Ed Fry was born and raised in Tifton, Georgia. He's currently a principal cloud architect for NBC Universal. He's a former senior cloud architect with Amazon Web Services, AWS. Ed has worked with a wide range of companies on tech initiatives for over the last 20 years. From Capital One, IBM, Qualcomm. Y'all, these are big deal tech companies. I hope y'all paying attention. We need some, we need some, some bombs being dropped after all of these. <laughs> Qualcomm, Workday, Hertz, IH, IHG, Georgia Gas and Light, Madison Square Garden, University of Systems of Georgia. Y'all, I almost feel like I almost feel like we need to have a crowd so I can say give a round of applause to my <laughs> guests. But nevertheless, no, I'm gonna still say it anyway. No matter where you at, give a little give a little little little, little pat pat clap for my guest Ed. Appreciate it. Man, appreciate it. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Man, thank you. Thank you again so much for for coming on. No doubt. Yeah, so y'all don't know this, but I hit up Ed Earlier this year, when I first started flapping my gums about about this industry, about this space, and I was like, man, okay, I was, you know, I was doing like my dial pad meetings, which those don't know dial pad things, Zoom meetings, and I was uh, educating people, and I was bringing on different guests. But when Ed and I spoke, it was very clear to me. I was like, I can't bring him on one of these these virtual meetings. I was like, it has to be like in a real studio. It has to be a real legit setup because because. It was just crazy. A lot of the things he was dropping on me, and I was like, "Yo, th this has to be official." So that way, we could, we could put some respect on his knowledge and on some of the gems that he was sharing. So, dude, so happy to actually have you on here, uh, man. Let's let's get right into it. What does a cloud architect do? Like, what is that? Wow, it's um, kind of all encompassing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, actually, prior to even moving to the cloud space, mm -hmm. I was um, an Oracle consultant. Okay, so. My focus at the time focus at the time was, of course, implementations, architecting, uh, ERP, mm -hmm. database optimization, uh, integration type work. Um, what kind of led me to that was the journey. Okay. So kind of stepping into tech back in '98 with uh, Bell Sheesh. South at the time, which is now AT and T. Um, I started as a developer. 
Now, you was in this, tech probably before I could spell technology. <laughs> that's it, yeah. that's that's wild. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, tech was tech was different. Tech was um, pretty much all hardware. Yeah, hardware storage. Um, of course, databases. Mm -hmm. yeah. Databases is pretty much what created Microsoft, created Oracle, mm -hmm. and you know companies pretty much built around that. Yeah, you know, client server model. Now it's completely different. Yes. So how yeah. did you? I guess how did you end up making the steps to? I mean, shoot, was I guess cloud architect wasn't even a thing back then because no, no, nothing was no. it wasn't a cloud no, at the it time. It was all data center centric, yeah. on premise. But yeah, architects have been around since the onset. Yeah, know? an architect, you basically you know look for solutions. Mm -hmm. You design solutions. You blueprint. You know, you kind of find ways to innovate, mm -hmm. and you execute. You deploy. Okay, so. All right, so we, we have a, a large audience that's all over the place. There are people mm -hmm. that are that are listening or watching that are other seniors in tech. Sure. Uh, but then we also have people that are shoot. Last week they probably just learned what tech what the word <laughs> what tech is. Right. And so for those the things you're mentioning about okay you you creating solutions right. and deploying like what what would that look like to them or I guess explaining that to them. Yeah, I mean that's going to look different now because of yeah you know. Uh, CICD type life cycles where you're deploying software, you're deploying mm -hmm. code. Yeah. You know, uh, back then it was physical, you know, you're... Yeah, the you hardware, they're yeah, actually you're provisioning, moving. You're yeah. provisioning physical servers, you're bootstrapping those servers in the data center, you're plugging them into the, you know, network switches, you yeah. know, you have firewalls. I mean, it's... Yeah, so it basically anyone who's worked there, like let's say a... A, a, a call center or some company where there's a a big a, a room with these big servers right. and and mm -hmm. the computer room uh, type of thing or the IT room. Right. Once upon a time, not that long ago, the IT but, room. But once upon a time, that was tech. It that was, was tech. that that probably on steroids. Right. Type of thing. Flashing lights. Yeah. So yeah. All, all the little buttons where it's like okay, all these buttons and cords. What is all of this stuff? Right. But something happened. Where now tech now when people when people mention tech usually they're referring to software so we mentioned hardware mm -hmm. but now usually they're, they're they're talking about software or or SaaS software as a service sure. so a, I really truly don't even know when that transition mm -hmm. happened Salesforce okay oh that's why Salesforce is such a big Sal dog. Salesforce was to me Salesforce was the innovator yeah when okay it comes to SaaS I mean CRM which mm -hmm. at the time was something that was pretty much owned by you know Oracle, some mm -hmm. of your largest software shops, Microsoft, yeah. uh, Dynamics. Salesforce came in and offered a cloud-based CRM solution mm -hmm. that every company tapped into. Okay. Because in terms of uh, how companies do business, it all starts with the customer, yeah. which actually starts with the lead, right? So mm -hmm. a lead turns into an opportunity, opportunity turns into a customer. That's, that's the business for Salesforce. And then once a customer buy something now you you have a life cycle yeah you kind of manage all of the interactions what they're buying what they need projections you know budgets forecasting all that man you know it's crazy because i know that salesforce is you know i'm not sure if this is still the case but from uh, what i've heard that they're the number one crm i never realized mm -hmm. how long they've been in the game right as well as just how big of a just how big of a figure they were in terms of like helping transform the industry. Mm -hmm. 
So that that's really incredible. <laughs> so what's interesting to me is how okay, I know I know initially it was, you know, hardware, the space was mainly or just solely hardware, but you got into the space before anyone even knew like really like when most people even really consider tech especially uh and i don't like to lean too heavy into these particular conversations but especially people who look like us like it's like right like just people of color in general weren't like tech like what is that like that's that's for you know nerds and computer stuff and things like that so what was it that happened for you that you know 20 years ago or more than 20 years ago you're like hey yeah i want to go this route um so I step back a little bit. So I actually was an architect major out of high school. You said you were an architect major. I was an architect major. I went to FAMU. Okay. Briefly. Um, shouts out FAMU. Shouts out <laughs> to FAMU, Rattlers. Um, but I was actually spooked a little bit by a professor who said, you know, as a, an apprentice or an architect major, you have to work in the industry five to 10 years as an apprentice before you can be licensed. Woo! Yeah. So I was like, that's a little bit too slow. Yeah. But. To be honest, I was drawn to computer-aided drafting. CAD, okay. you know, AutoCAD was um, kind of piqued my interest. And um, but you didn't touch. You said Auto what? AutoCAD. What is what was computer-aided drafting? That's actually a program used. You know, you use it today to develop design buildings, mm-hmm. virtual walkthroughs. Pretty much any building you see was probably oh, okay. Started. You know. Oh, that's cool. In that app, you know, using that application. So, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, as a freshman, sophomore, junior, you didn't touch any of that. It was all old school drafting boards and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> even in '94, '95, that was a little too. So when you, so when you say architect, you you really mean the traditional really architect? Meant, yeah, Frank, okay. Frank Lloyd Wright type architect. Wow. Would, so yeah. so you draw? It's like a sidebar. Uh, not really. Okay, okay. But I like the design. Yeah. Yeah, it's a difference. Okay, it's a difference. But um, so that didn't quite pan out. And so I ended up switching. But getting to the point, um, because of my love for just technology in general, you know, my mom actually introduced me in middle school. I was sitting home one summer. You know, I was back home, you know, small town, Tifton, Georgia. It was all about sports, you know, Mm -hmm. basketball, football. But it's seasonal. So over the summer. Uh, She's like, well, you need to do something. So she Mm -hmm. signed me up for a basic programming class. That's crazy. 75 bucks and I was like you know my mom's a school teacher and, you yeah. know it was not a lot of money but she saw the opportunity it's like okay you need to do something but that piqued my interest I made a video game that summer of basic programming what no wait 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 how, wait how old were you or like what uh, grade were you grade, in 12 I think I was 12 and you wait so the same summer that you got introduced to it mm-hmm. you ended up like developing something and making a game yeah that was part it. of like the little program curriculum so man sh- shouts uh, out to moms yeah, yeah like learned, oh man so beautiful like her being like okay, i'm gonna get my son in this and i mean yeah. like a visionary too like for her to see something and be like mm-hmm. yo this is something he should be into right yeah i mean i learned flow charting flow charting is still a thing today that's where everything starts man even today yeah. in software development. So, um, but yeah, it was pretty simple. Nothing, I mean, it was all, I think it was Apple 2C. No one knows that it is, but it was all- Yeah, I don't like, know what that is. I'm like- <laughs> It was just, you know, a command, you know, a response. Oh, okay, cool, yeah, but, um So from there, you know, I just all been drawn to computers. I was fascinated, mm-hmm. you know, what's happening in this thing? Why am I getting a response by hitting this keyboard? Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, so you know, coming to Atlanta '98, uh, that role with Bell South was mm-hmm. pretty much you know more of like a support role, but I was exposed to financials, okay. financial systems. So financial systems, data, understanding how to report off of data. Yeah. Uh, at the time, Bell South, um, they um, they have hundreds of subsidiaries around the world. So we're getting a bunch of financial data feeds that we have to put into what we would call a warehouse, data warehouse. Yeah. Um, and what was happening is their reporting cycle was like three months to report quarterly financials. Okay. And CFO was like, it's taking too long. You know, it's not quite he, accurate. He wanted, he wanted it to be more frequent more and be streamlined. And more accurate. Yeah. Right, right. And um, more accurate, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, you gotta do currency conversion. So, so yeah, I was kind of plugged into that. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got me exposed to, um, you know, databases. Yeah. Um, that was Oracle at the time. Back then, um, I learned something, you know, just reporting in general, analytical tools, mm-hmm. uh, business objects. And, you know, you have Cognotes and you have um, a couple different analytical tools nowadays, yeah. but it's pretty much the same concept. Yeah. Uh, big thing now is data analysis. You're seeing people yes. kind of dive into that. Yeah, you know? that, that's been coming up a lot. I've seen that yeah, a lot. So data analysis. Uh, which so, is, so what is, it sounds like you're about to touch on, what is data analysis exactly? Well, I, I can look, hear the name and assume what it right, is, but. Right, so you have languages like R and um, Python, some things, mm-hmm. tools you can use to take, you know, data feeds, so data input. It can be pretty much anything, any yeah. type of data. Um, and you basically create charting, graphs, you know, you, you represent that data visually. Um, so either you're doing calculations or you're probably building charts. So mm-hmm. you can actually see, you know, what it is. And then that's that's a big deal. So those, you know, you know, when people are making decisions in companies, they need those what they call decision support systems, mm-hmm. which data warehouses help them determine, you know, how much money are we spending, how much we're yeah. making, you know, who is who are our customer base, you know, Data analysis is pretty much what runs business. You yeah, know, you can't you can't make decisions without it. So, okay, know. so uh, going back to something that you said just um, um, earlier when you were touching on what a what a cloud architect is, mm. when mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm one of the things I try to do, especially uh, for uh, for my audience, but also for myself, is to show how we all work together in terms right. of our roles. <clears throat> and so, obviously, like as a sales engineer. If if I'm demoing if I'm demoing uh, the the product, it's usually because the account executive or the sales rep they have a prospect or customer that's interested in, in our in our company and our technology, and they're interested, but they have some technical questions sure. and or they want to see a demonstration of the product and how <laughs> it'll look like if and when their company decides to 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 work with our company or to sign a contract. Right. So as a sales engineer, I demonstrate the product, but every now and again. The customer is like, oh, well, can your product do X, Y, and Z? And if it can't, we'll tell them, okay, we'll ask the product team. Hey, product team, product manager. <laughs> feature when, request. W- yeah, feature request. Right, when right. is this feature going to be out? Or we'll look across the 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 calendar, the roadmap for, okay, when certain features are going to be out. And so when the product team is like, okay, there's a feature that we need that's that's like really in demand by customers when they request for that feature to be created, are they reaching out to the to the cloud to the cloud architect? No. Okay. No, that's gonna go to 
a development team. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So getting back to the cloud architect, what what does a cloud architect do? So, right now you have pub, you have you have what you call private cloud, which is usually something that companies will build mm-hmm. using existing resources in mm-hmm. their data center. So they're taking all these servers that they bought over the over the years, yeah. trying to cluster those together and create a virtualization stack, VMware. Yeah, okay. So you've probably heard of VMware. That's yeah. usually, I mean, there's other ones, I mean, like OpenShift and some things, but VMware is a big one where they're just trying to take commodity hardware yeah. and create their own private cloud mm-hmm. to spin up virtual resources. Okay. And they're doing that because um, the time it used to take to launch or roll out a solution, a product, mm-hmm. application upgrade, you have to order something from Dell. You had to, hopefully it's in back order, you had to have it shipped, you mm-hmm. had to receive it, you had to prep it. You're talking weeks to basically launch something simple like, I don't know, a small you know website or a database or yeah. you know mail server. Now that can be done in minutes right, using crazy. automation. Yeah software, you know, infrastructure as code, mm-hmm. which is pretty much where and why people are moved to the cloud because you can move quicker. Um, you can pretty much ensure that what you're doing repeatable, meaning, you know, if you stood up server A with this configuration, server B is going to come up with the same, right? Yeah. You know, sometimes in the, the, the old world, you would get a mixed bag of things because it could be something different within the server from the vendor you didn't know about. So now you have a server falling offline, you don't know why, because you have some type of OS conflict mm-hmm. with some hardware. So, you know, companies like Amazon, who used to use heavy Cisco, heavy Intel. Yeah, until they built out their... They they build their own now. Yeah. They fabricate because they want consistency. Yeah, is, is that know? why they built AWS? Well, AWS actually started because there was a surplus of servers from Amazon.com. Oh, and they decided, like, hey, hey, we need to have our own. We have all this capacity. Let's sell it. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of where AWS came about because yeah. Amazon.com bought a bunch of capacity to sell mm-hmm. books and it was kind of sitting idle. Right. Mm, and we'll yeah. get into what idle means to a company. So companies like Dell, IBM, HP mm. were selling a bunch of hardware to companies. Yeah. Sales guys like, look, you need this. Yeah. You need to buy it. It's pretty buy it it's beefy <laughs> buy it and they were buying it just to yeah. say i got it and it wasn't being used it was yeah. underutilized so that underutilization is costing companies money to mm-hmm. power to cool pay someone to manage it to look at the light flashing yeah you know you know switch a, a disc out some storage every now and then it was costing money so yeah. you got operational costs then you have the the capex capital mm-hmm. expenditure so those two components are just costing companies a lot of money. Yeah. And the CFO's like, we gotta stop spending. Yeah. So it's just, you know, big thing with public cloud now, Amazon, AWS, and Azure, yeah. is you're looking at ways to cost optimize. Mm-hmm. Meaning we need to right size and only buy what we need. Yeah. Right? So instead of just buying this beefy server to do this one thing and you're wasting cycles, provision something <laughs> that only uses the resources that we assign to it. All right, so I, m- I might be kind of jump- jumping ahead, but <clears throat> listening to all of this, and, and literally the, the wheels are kind of like spinning, like going crazy in my head, where, because th- there seemed to be a huge boom at some point mm-hmm. within 
just the, the the tech space. I was gonna say the software space, but I guess at the time it was barely software. It was mainly hardware. Right. But it seemed <clears> to be this boom where okay, these companies are exploding. There are crap ton of companies, startups, it's kind of almost coming out of nowhere. Many of them have scaled and done incredible things. Sure. As well as we see like just the increase of hires, the increase of roles. Right. <clears throat> but also in that just the money in terms of the pay really mm-hmm. being incredible. And so did that happen because maybe there's other factors that, that you'll keep me in on, but did that happen because basically once companies made the transition from hardware to software, we're okay. Now mm-hmm. we don't have to pay all of this money to, to maintain these, these things that take up all of this space where they either have to, we either have to keep them warehouse somewhere or, uh, you know, and, and, and also these things cost so much and we got to kind of keep them up. Once they remove those, or at least once companies started paying other companies that had their own like data centers, is that something that saved them enough money that when the companies were able to scale, the individual companies were able to scale further and then also be able to like open up all of these other roles? Yeah, I, I mean, the boom really was a result of mobile. Okay. Mobile pretty much, um, because going back again, when you say mobile, you mobile, mean like mobile phones. phone technology? Okay, yeah, yeah. tablets and mobile phone. Uh, what used to be, again, traditional client server, meaning you had a laptop, a desktop, talking yeah. to some back end system, um, that was pretty much that was tech. Yeah. Tech is now mobile. Yeah, that's true. So all the develop software development things that are happening are pretty much being done for consumption by a mobile device. Okay. Or something client, some web-based application. Yeah. Um, to kind of, you know, I, I remember vividly, cause I was kind of had the entrepreneur just kind of thinking like, how am I gonna get away from corporate? So mm-hmm. just kind of give you an idea of kind of how tech has allowed startups to really tap in and develop these, you know, solutions for customers. Mm-hmm. Um, back in, I guess, 2012, I think it was, I was talking with uh, the owner of Saya Salon. Oh, wow. You okay. probably heard of Saya. Yeah, all I've heard of Saya, yeah. Back then, I had pitched a basically a um, appointment scheduling yeah, okay. solution. And I was using... Um, were those Something, even a thing? Like a thing in 2012? Not, there was no online. Yeah. Okay. There was an online scheduling solution. Mm-hmm. So I had built something yeah. using Microsoft Collaboration Data Objects. It's old tech. But anyway, but it was web-based. Yeah. Right? So no one's walking around a laptop or, yeah. you know, with the desktop trying to schedule an appointment or looking for a chair at Sega. Mm-hmm. But when you had this new age set of frameworks to develop mobile applications, mm-hmm. now you can start to create things that people can use. Uber, ah, Instacart, yeah, you know, Calendly. Yes. So now all of them you named, I listen, used all of those. <laughs> I saw the need. Yeah. The tech just didn't support it at yeah. the time. So there was really no mobile uh like even from a UI perspective. Mm-hmm. You had very heavyweight things that didn't perform well mm-hmm. on mobile phones, you know, old Android phones. It just wasn't optimized for mobile. Yeah. Well, now you have very lightweight frameworks and, mm-hmm. you know, languages, React for UI stuff. Yeah. That is cool with it. So pretty much anything you see now is developed with the intent of you, a consumption by a mobile device mm-hmm. that open up a whole new world 
of opportunities for business. You know, it's wild that you mentioned timing. I was uh, listening to a, I don't think, I'm not sure if it was a TED Talk, but it was very TED Talk style um, mm -hmm. where uh, some business owner, he was speaking about like what's the most important thing for like a new business and he was saying timing. And he yeah. was he gave examples of businesses that were so far ahead of their time, the technology wasn't there to fully support what the concept was. And then other businesses came along two, three, four years later that sure. were the exact same thing, but because now the infrastructure of, of technology can now support that, it's able to do that. So it's really crazy to hear about like you being ahead of the curve in in different in different ways and just at the time technology just yeah. wasn't where your head was at yeah i said 12 it was actually 2006. okay that makes it a lot was, okay okay 2006. that's wild yeah it was that's i think the first iphone dropped in 2006 or seven yeah yeah it was yeah you're right because because yeah. i went to i joined the marine Corps. i graduated high school slash joined the marine corps the end of 2007 or beginning of 2008. And at the time there was only the iPhone, the first iPhone or the second iPhone mm. was out around that time. So that's that's spot on. So, so with that, man, you, you've seen a, a lot in this industry. Like you've seen obviously the from it being hardware focused to, mm -hmm. to, to more uh, software. But what are some other like changes you've seen, whether within companies or within the industry, things that like most people, even including myself, just aren't like aware of? Uh, from a people or just tech Man, in general, all of it, Every, like people, because because there have been um, a lot of changes. I mean, even even recently, like we see, okay, what happened a couple years ago with the pandemic, and of course, you know the uh, the, the murder of George Floyd and everything with right. Aubrey, oh, and yeah, how yeah. we see tech companies where now they're, they they've shifted to or they shifted. It, I'm not sure if they're going back to how they used to be, but we see them. Okay, now them having these huge initiatives about having diversity. Right. Uh, so that being one thing, but then mm. also components of, you know, things we're seeing today where it's a very it's a candidate or employee market right now, which I don't think there's ever been a time, at least that I've ever seen, <laughs> you know, of, of of things being an employee market where it's like this is weird where employees yeah. are basically making demands and companies almost feel somewhat at the mercy of what uh, what their employees are doing. So like what are, but you're at another level, you being a, not even senior, you're principal, you know, shout, shouts out to that, congratulations for that. Appreciate you it. being principal, which those who don't know, that's above like a senior level uh, in tech. You've not just seen a lot, but you're, you sit in different seats where you you see things and you know things that most people might not be privy to. So I guess just, and I know I just said a lot there, but just literally just some of the things you've seen or experienced, whether it's with people, whether it's with technology, uh, and also like where you, you think you could be seeing things going. Um, yeah, so getting back to um, the attention on DI, diversity and inclusion. Yeah. It's a big thing now. You know, obviously, yeah. you know, the events of 2020 really sparked interest Mm -hmm. And um, just how we're perceived in industry, perceived in society uh, as minorities. But, um, you know, I will say I was at Amazon at the time. Um, I was actually shocked to see how people just the, the organization as a whole just kind of paused and said, hey, let's just talk. Let's just start these conversations. And mm -hmm. the conversations weren't really frame they weren't structures kind of like an open floor oh, it, it was like like With real organic real organic i mean top you know top of the chain 
I think Andy Jassy was involved. Um, don't remember Bezos being in, but mm-hmm. Jassy for sure chimed in at times. And it's like, you know, talk and about. That's, that's the current CEO, right? Uh, no, he's moved over to the Amazon side. Okay. See, I, f- I forgot the new CEO for AWS, but uh, at the time he was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking AWS. I'm thinking. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, they're okay. two. Yeah, AWS is the moneymaker for Amazon. Yeah, a, a lot of people don't yeah. know that. People think that Amazon's main source of income is their basically their online retail store. No. It's like, no, it's AWS. And most, it's the cloud. general public don't even know what AWS is. It's like, that's Amazon's real moneymaker. It's cloud, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but no, I mean, it's pretty much gave everyone opportunities to kind of talk mm-hmm. about what, what are the oppositions you're seeing? What are the struggles? What is the daily? And I, I know for me, you know, moving up, you know, up the chain, different companies, you know, it was all, the challenge for me was a kind of commanding the room, mm-hmm. earning the respect of the people at the table. Yeah. Um, it has to go beyond that initial perception. Of yes. Just who I am. Mm-hmm. It's more about what does he know? And mm-hmm. then not only what does he know and how do we validate that? Mm-hmm. So that was always a struggle is earning trust yeah. for individuals. So even when I started Amazon, Amazon has leadership principles. That's one of them. You earn the trust of whoever you're dealing with. Okay. So that was always a challenge for me. And it wasn't, I think there was always preconceived notions about, okay, it's a large company, you know, mm-hmm. how are you in the room? Well, mm. I'm in the room. Yeah, That's exactly. All that matters. I'm in the I'm room. I'm in the room. So, you know, once you kind of, learn how to move without mm. concerning yourself about how you're being you know perceived as an individual mm. you know it's like okay i may enter this room one way but when i leave all that goes away yeah you know because you know i won't you know you don't want to show that a you're intimidated you don't want to show yeah. that you know you're overly excited to be there i'm just you know it's just another day yeah exactly just another just, just another, another wednesday day. another tuesday um but I think the more time you you put yourself in those situations, which is, is key, you have to be uncomfortable. Yeah. That's part of growth. Yeah. Right. So you can't shy away from opportunities, shy away from situations because that's where you're gonna grow professionally mm-hmm. as a, and as an individual. So um but no, I think the more time I, you know, spent, you know, starting with ninety eight at Bell South, yeah, just stepping into a world I knew nothing about. You know, it's like you got to, you know, one of the, the, the items I mentioned was you got to dive deep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's more than, you know, there's a lot of people that are getting into tech that it, that didn't necessarily go to college. Yeah. Doesn't that's, mean, that's it, a doesn't huge mean thing anything right now. because most college curriculums are outdated. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I, I, <laughs> I tell you, people in the space much. Where, where it's like, yeah. man, because especially because how everything in tech is changing faster than college because even yeah. if college tried to keep up with they the can. curriculum it's impossible yeah. for it to yeah yeah so you know dive deep to me means simply you just got to stay you know curious yeah you know what i'm saying read stay abreast i mean everything is pretty much publicized now mm-hmm. there was no youtube in 98 there was no youtube in 2000 man so it was books yeah you know books and some online stuff but you know you read, you try some things, you know, but you got to carve out the time just to continue feeding yeah. that part, you know. Part yeah, it never it, gets so. to a point of, of arrival or a point of like, oh, I made it's, it. It's it's nonstop. Yeah. Even now, Man. there's stuff I'll be looking at tonight 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's a nonstop. That's really good because uh, oftentimes one, one of the things that people don't realize, they think there's so much they have to know right now just mm-hmm. to enter the space, like at ground level. And it's like, it's not that much you have to know entry level. There are some companies that'll just take you, even you don't, you don't know anything, even if you didn't mm-hmm. do a boot camp or anything else, uh, for like entry, very entry level roles. But one of the things I do try to elaborate to people is that I've, it's very strange being in this space. It's my first time ever getting a glimpse of a feeling of maybe what like a lawyer or or a, a particular um, medical doctor might feel like where they constantly have to stay up to date with if it's if it's a medical doctor they have to stay up to date with surgery procedures sure. or certain medications or how things re- it's like yeah. you never know it all you have to constantly mm-hmm. or or a lawyer laws are constantly changing right you know uh, think things are constantly moving you're getting new customers and clients all the time that have a unique a unique situation and you have to study their entire case right and so it's when i got in this space at first i was thinking like oh yeah once i get to a certain point i'll be good but then i quickly realized oh no it's constant study it never sure. stops it never stops so it's like you do have to have that mentality like what what did you do or what do you think it was about yourself because you don't just accidentally like you don't just end up as as a senior cloud architect at aws like that doesn't happen accidentally that doesn't even happen where it's like oh i'm gonna just put my head down and work hard it's like no that's something that, that has to have like some level of strategy behind it. Right. And so what is something either within yourself that you think you could communicate to others uh, or something that something that happens to you that sparked something in you that allows you to kind of either make strategic moves or just make the right moves? Yeah. I mean, even getting to AWS, um, you know, a lot of people are trying to apply. Yeah. Right? So I remember I went to New York uh, for they call them summits. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a mini conference in cities around the country. But I just went to connect. At the time, I was still consulting. Um, I was working with the university system of Georgia that's actually based, Board of Regents is based in Atlanta, but the division I was working with, OIT, is based, based in Athens. Okay. So that's where all the systems for, if you take you know any class at any university here in the state, online courses, everything runs out of Athens. Oh, wow. So all of the systems where they pay people, the payroll systems, mm-hmm. um, the uh, financial systems, all that runs out of Athens. Okay. So there's 33 universities um, here in the state. There's three research. You got Georgia Tech, UGA, Medical College. So all those schools, all those people, all that data information sits in Athens. So that's wild. Yeah. So I actually um, started consulting with them back in 07. Um, I came in on opportunity to kind of help them upgrade some legacy systems, financials and the HR um, because of my exposure to Oracle databases and, you know, mm-hmm. web tech. Um, so they brought me in, you know, you deliver, right? So yeah. you get in, you get that opportunity, you deliver. Yeah. And um, customer satisfaction is, you know, you just got to make sure you can, you know, speak to something. but. Mm-hmm. Don't overpromise on the deliver, but you always kind of want to do a bit more. So yeah. they kind of kept me on board for a couple of years. That relationship kept growing. Uh, that experience, I had a story I could tell. Mm-hmm. That's where the resume, you know, you're kind of building these stories in your resume. It's more than just buzzwords and topics. You kind of want to speak to something you've done, but frame it in a way where it aligns with, say, a current 
some current technology, yeah. right? So the way Amazon interviews, it's, you know, they can bet you based on your skill set, mm-hmm. right? Your buzzwords, but they want to know how you align to these principles that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. how give me a situation where you found yourself where you had to dive deeper or you had to earn trust mm-hmm. or you had to, um, uh, you know, think big, just kind of outside the box. They want to know the story. Mm-hmm. And so you, you get in a situation in interviewing where you're going to talk, say, in the case of Amazon, you might speak to six people in a day. They all okay. have different things they want to hear about. They take all the information. They uh, is, is this internal or internal? Or, okay, internal. internal. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I mean, just being able to tell a story about your journey, something you've done, um, where you've kind of stepped outside the box. You want to make sure you keep track of that. Keep track of emails, any kudos you get, just because at some point that's going to matter. Yeah, it's going to matter. So, and you know, you mentioned a promotion at AWS. So that was like being rehired again. Yeah, but I had to have colleagues and customers and I had to kind of tell the story. So you say rehired again. So you mean so even though you were there at the company mm-hmm. and you had gone from what what was the role before you got promoted to so, senior? Yeah, so internal um you have there's what they call L4, L5, yeah. L6, L7, right? Mm-hmm. So L5 is what I came in as when I was hired. I was promoted to L6, which is the senior. Yeah, okay. CIA. Uh, next step would have been L7, which is principal, principal yeah. or practice manager or some director level yeah. role. Um, so, yeah, but each each one of those, there are certain things you have to accomplish. Mm-hmm. The leveling guide is what they call it. How do I check off against these these items? Yeah. So and a lot of that has to do with, you know, customer input. You have to show have you generated X amount of money yeah. in re- revenue from consulting? So Man. I was actually a consultant internal to Amazon. Okay, that's interesting. So I was being billed out to different companies. So that's where Capital One came in. That's where Hertz. Yeah, okay. That's where Qualcomm, Workday. So those companies were saying, hey, we need that consultant mm-hmm. for this initiative. And, of course, Amazon would bill me at X rate. So when you, when you went up to the uh, the L6 or, or, or to the senior at AWS, when you had made that um, or when you had gotten that promotion and you mentioned, okay, it was like you were essentially being um, – you didn't say interviewed. Uh, how did you put it again? It was like being rehired again. Yeah, rehired. Yeah, yeah, like, okay, it's yeah. like being rehired. Right. So with that, so one, there were certain metrics that you had to prove that you were hitting sure. those metrics. But also you were saying that you made sure to keep like, you know, keep like the kudos you got. Right. So that way you could use those things to present. Right. To say, hey, look, not only did I make, you know, make a, a AWS this much money, mm. uh, but also, hey, Internally, these are how many people I've helped. I've been a resource in this this way, and you know I received this feedback from from this many people in this kind of manner. So you really had to kind of pull from different areas. It wasn't even right. just am I showing up? Am I doing my job? No, am I making y'all yeah. money? But it's like other boxes that most people wouldn't even think. Like so, basically, like okay, to be at this kind of level, there's multiple boxes and variables that you need to check to mm-hmm. to, to be at that level. And man, that's that's incredible just to really think about that. Uh, that's definitely a lot. Now, yeah, because I was wondering, I'm like, man, it's definitely strategy because I realize that most people can be in this industry if they just they, if they work hard and if they're mildly competent. If you're mildly competent, mm-hmm. you work hard, and you have a student mentality, you you can do well. But it's like there are certain levels that the higher up you go, you're getting with more competitive. Like people are much more competitive, right? 
people are moving with strategy. There are people that have been playing the long game where it was their plan to be where you're at. And so it's like, okay, something like where you're at doesn't happen accidentally. And I, I definitely know I wouldn't even not even have thought to done stuff like some of the things you're mentioning that you did and uh, just the the, re- the things that you pulled together to be able to present uh, for that rehire uh, with, within um, AWS. So, but you, after that promotion, you left AWS with that <laughs> senior, as a senior cloud architect. Right. And you went over to NBC, which I'm sure most people wouldn't even consider NBC as a tech company or having tech. It's like most people think of NBC as just right. media, media company. And so, but you transitioned from there. Why? So obviously it was a promotion when you transitioned. So one, how did you get a promotion when you had just gotten a promotion two, two three months ago? Right. And two, like what was so enticing to you that you would leave you know, AWS, which is one of the most, if not, I think the most uh, maybe valuable, not valuable company, but in terms of how much revenue they bring in, they're one of the most uh, valuable companies in the world. Sure. Why would you make that transition? Um, yeah, I mean, they're making a lot of money, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're paying you mm. on, on par with what the industry okay. should be saying, hey, this is what this person is worth based on the these skills. Okay. Um, at the time, um, if you've done any research on Amazon mm-hmm. and you know anyone that's actually looking at a role should actually look at or pay attention to the total comp model. Okay, right? all right, so break that down. All right, so total comp is uh, it's usually three things. So you're gonna have your base salary, mm-hmm. you have a potential signing bonus, mm-hmm. right? When you come on board and your annual, your annual bonus, if that exists. Yeah. It should, I mean, depending on the company, you should have some, some type of incentive if you're performing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what Amazon was doing for years, and they lost a lot of senior people because of this, they were capping the base salary. Yeah. Right. That cap was 150K, actually 160K. Oh, wow. Amazon? Yeah. So what they would do, That's though, crazy. To supplement that, mm-hmm. they would try to backload it with uh, RSUs or stock options. Okay. You know, Amazon stock was hot. You know, they could, you know, okay, here, yeah. here's 100 shares of stock. Problem with that is when you get granted RSUs, you have to wait. Yeah, because don't you have to like usually stay at a company like five years or ten years? There's a vesting schedule, right? Man. So that in that vesting schedule, which usually probably three to four years, you can get like year one, you get a you know a quarter of it. Okay. Year two, you get another. So they kind of. So way they kind of string you along, right? Yeah. Now we all know about inflation and things are happening while you're waiting, right? You know the your values going up because you're doing more you've done more and so going through that promotion cycle i was like i've done a lot in three years and i had been with the company three years mm-hmm. uh so in my fourth year your con not your contract doesn't really run out but your initial total comp package is based on four years so i wasn't necessarily happy yeah. with um the outcome of the promotion it was pretty much here's some more stock wait for it no, I might. Yeah, I might shop this thing around a little bit. Yeah, you know, I've I've contributed a lot. I think I probably generated. If I had, I think I went back and looked at it, like six million in consulting hours over four years. Wow, that's just individual. That's my work. That's what I'm building. Yeah, so I don't know if I was supposed to say that. No, 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 no. That was okay. that was perfect because. Yeah. One one of the things that I that I um I see a lot with people that are um, trying to enter into this uh, space is that 
all they know about are the big name companies, just the, the, the big mm-hmm. wigs. And obviously NBC is is like no shrimp fry. Like they, they're a big deal as well, but they're not a thing, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes I, I find myself telling people like, hey, like don't get so caught up on just the flashy, oh, right, right, the flashy right, right. company. Because many times, depending on the company, like they're not going to pay you industry mm-hmm. standard because they're going to feel as if. Like, oh, we're this company. Like, I'm thinking like Tesla. I have a, a friend of mine. He actually uh, lives in this building, and he's a uh, he's a he's a uh, principal. Um, he's a CTO at one company, but he uh, he's a principal developer. And Tesla reached out to him, and he ended up uh, had an interview and talked over the phone. And once it got down to the the money, they were they they it was mandatory. They said, "Oh, it's mandatory. We need you to move to Cali," mm-hmm. and. He said, okay, well, how much is the pay? And they were offering him, uh, I think it was about 125K. And he to was go like, to Cali? what? Yeah, to go to Cali. To Cali. <laughs> Negative. And he's he's been in space for, for a dang near a decade. Right. And he's been killing it. Yeah. And so he, he showed me the emails. And this is before I was in tech. So mind you, I know you, you've, been, you've been in this space for a minute. You've been killing it. So I'm gonna tell you how the, how the rest of the world is when when the rest of the world has to talk to like recruiters or hiring managers. Right. The rest of the world, when you talk to a recruiter or hiring manager, is basically yes, sir, master. Yes, sir. Like what you want to? What, what is? Yeah. So this is my first time seeing someone have like leverage, mm-hmm. where he emailed them back and he basically broke it down and he was not mincing words. He said, "You want me to do this and that?" He's like, "I'm at this level already, and you're offering me this to move yeah. there," and he said. He uh, he told them. He, he said no. He said you you got to come and talk to me about at least. Uh, he said at least 175k. Mm-hmm. And mind you, this was three four years ago. So I look at the email and I'm thinking, oh, there's no way they're gonna email him back. This is this is they email him back and they mention like, oh well, you know, we'd really love to have you. This is a great opportunity for you to work at Tesla. Tesla's doing amazing things and this will look great on your yeah. resume. All the talking points. He responds back and says, I just raise it higher. He said he said. He said, don't email me back unless you're talking at least 200K. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking the audacity on him to say that. Yeah. But then they emailed him back a week later and they were like, well, we could push to 150K. And he didn't even respond. <laughs> and I just remember seeing that. And I was thinking like on one end, like at the time I was more so shocked about the way he, he was able to kind of like handle the conversation to a degree. But now in hindsight, I look back at it and I'm more so kind of just blown away at how Tesla being such a, a successful company right now and people argue whether they're they're over you know they're overinflated and things like that uh but realizing how they instead of them paying him what they could afford to pay him instead they try to find ways around it you know by saying oh we're this big deal of a company so we shouldn't have to pay you that much right and so realizing how man many of these companies not all of them, because obviously we, we know like companies like uh, Netflix uh, pays. I know they pay at least their developers a crap ton of money. I think they're one of the uh, highest um, paid like developers that, that work at uh, Am- not Amazon, but work at uh, Netflix make, I think, about round about like $450,000, depending on what level that they're at. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, OK, that's that's really good. But realizing that there are larger tech companies out here that are trying to I'm not going to say play people, but find other ways to pay them without yeah. directly paying them. Yeah, that four hundred thousand is going to be total total comp though. Okay. Yeah, your base might be about two hundred k. Yeah, maybe. But then you have again stock options, mm-hmm. maybe a signing bonus, and signing bonuses can range from five thousand, 
40,000, 50,000. Okay. Some companies will, <laughs> they get kind of creative in how they do that. Mm -hmm. um, so some companies won't necessarily give you like a windfall yeah. of cash because, you know, one, a bonus will get taxed pretty heavy, like 40%. Ah, that's true. Yeah. So to get around that, they'll kind of make it like a secondary check or okay. income so they'll split it up over 24 pay periods yeah i had a company uh, do that with me yeah, where they, yeah. they 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 split up the the bonus and sure. I, I was confused as to why they did it i thought they were doing it as a way to make sure i stayed at the company for a certain period of time mm, yeah which might be some truth could to that. that yeah uh but two I, I think i could also like see what, what you're saying yeah. give us some insight with that so it saves you a little bit on the tax side um so you're basically bumping your income for two years or whatever yeah. that that period is so instead of 150 you might make two make 200k for two years and then it'll go okay. away year three back to 150 man yeah so be ready for it <laughs> okay uh but yeah you know in case of companies that have the stock to throw around you know it's not necessarily a bad thing to have stock you know if a company makes a run then you know your stock makes a run too so um but yeah, I I think anyone that's getting in, you know, you mm. want to see what the market's doing. Um, it's okay to take a little less, depending mm -hmm. on the role, the company, because that exposure experience can mean more. Yeah, that does matter. You know, down the road, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But um, you just gotta, you know, put in your time a little bit. Okay, so so we have to wrap up soon, but there there's something uh there's something I I definitely wanted to to ask you to touch on a bit. One of the reasons, one of the purposes of of uh, Tech is a New Black, and my whole passion behind telling people about this space. Initially, it was just telling people, hey, this industry is great, it's good money, good opportunities, all of that. Mm -hmm. But one of the other things that I started realizing more and more is that, man, like there are industries that aren't tech industries that are becoming disrupted you know the you know whether we talk about you know things we people are already familiar with whether mm -hmm. we're talking like you know the transportation industry you know things like uber and lyft uh fintech and, yeah fintech <laughs> disrupting the the, banking, the financial yeah. industry yeah. and banking and i mean the list is going on and on and even uh, i remember as a lyft driver because that's that's what i when we were meeting my main source of income was lyft driving mm -hmm. and i remember like once I got into this industry, because it's funny, like Uber and Lyft disrupted the transportation industry, mm -hmm. but now there are a lot of Lyft drivers. Every time I catch a Lyft and I'm talking to a Lyft driver and it's a long ride, I ask them, hey, what's your exit strategy? How do you plan on getting out of this? Because you do realize that the same way Uber and Lyft disrupted the transportation industry, they're trying to get self-driving vehicles right. to eventually remove you. Sure. So this can't be a 10-year, oh, I'm going to do this for 10 years. and No, you need to have a plan to get up out of this. Mm -hmm. So now that's just like one example, but this spreads across multiple industries where people don't realize what's about to happen to, 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 to their industry or their corner of the world where they think they're safe. And so my passion became, hey, man, I really want to, even if people don't want to be in tech, you need to be aware of some of the things that are that are coming downhill that are going to affect you whether or not you want it to. So from your vantage point, like what are some of the things, whether we talk about like Web3, a 3.0 or, you know, the metaverse or other things that are happening that people might want to look into a little bit? Mm hmm. Um, I would probably say AI machine learning. Okay. That's um, in practice. I mean, there are some things you're touching on that 
you know, some of the traditional everyday tasks that happen, say, in an IT operation. Mm -hmm. Now you have systems that can kind of make decisions on their own, you know, particularly in the security space, right? Mm -hmm. So what used to be, you know, you had a bunch, you know, monitoring, you know, intrusion detection, IPS stuff going on where you just got to look at things that are happening mm -hmm. and then someone has to react to it. Yeah. That reaction now is based on some type of model. I just yeah. invested in a, uh, this is, don't y'all judge me for this investment. Nobody judge me for this. But uh, I, I got pulled in. It was on Instagram. I, I don't invest <laughs> from stuff I see on Instagram usually. Meme stock, huh? No, no, no. It wasn't no. meme stock. It's okay. it's a company where they utilize, I believe, a, a version of machine learning where they have, uh, it's like an actual like robot or uh, hardware that, that it actually, it can watch you do something mm. and it learns what you did. So they're using it right now first inside of uh, like certain fast food chains where it can watch the task that someone will do. If it's like a, a task that's like very repetitive, then grabbing something right. and the machine, like it can scan you and watch the task that you're doing. And then the machine will be able to go and do that task. Mm. And of course, they're, they're working on, on building it out. Uh, they're right now in uh, the... I think it's either they're between seed round and um and series A. And so I was okay, this is a good spot to kind of throw a quick thousand dollars at them and see what it does, kinda of like watch it. But you kinda of got me thinking about that when you mentioned machine learning, where it's like, man, like is that is that similar where like an actual machine is is watching what someone is doing or like what does that really look like? Um, it's both. So okay. um you can you know, people create models, mm -hmm. you know. AI, artificial intelligence, they're just constantly feeding these models and these scenarios. And so there's things that will happen, whether it be something physical or a decision, a calculation, a prediction, it's all based on a model. So there's models based on the data, the input, and it just keeps evolving. And so every time you use your phone, you know, Facebook, TikTok, IG, they're capturing every interaction. Mm -hmm everything you're doing and they can kind of predict what you're going to do. Okay. It makes, you know? a, it makes a lot more sense. I, I read a book called Dataclism mm -hmm. that talks about, uh, we, we, we gotta, we gotta wrap up. Ah, oh, I'm starting, I'm starting to get like real hype, but I read a book <laughs> called Dataclism It's from the founder of OkCupid. Okay. And the book talks about, uh, it talks about the, the data that they've extrapolated from people using their dating, dating site. And it breaks down how, the technology knows you better than you know you. For sure. It knows. And yeah. we've all seen it where you're scrolling on social media and it's like, I, all I did was thought <laughs> right. about this thing. How right. did it appear as an ad? You right. know, people talk about things that they say out loud, but oftentimes it's not even something you said. You, you get pushed something that you just thought about. And yeah. it's because like the technology is really learning you and knowing you better than you know you. Right. And so that is, so, so all of that, even I guess the whole notion of like, I, I don't know if you, you still uh, have your Tesla, but even the notion of like how with Tesla, they use, they're allowing their drivers to help them like figure out stuff in terms of driving or figure out stuff right. in terms of self-driving. And so all of that is a part of, is, is a part of machine learning. Right. Man. Data. One of the most data is king. One of the most valuable assets in the world is, is data. Yeah, man. So, man. So, unfortunately, we we do have to wrap up. Okay. Um, Eric and Rhea about to jump me. So, uh, would love for you to tell people like where they can find you at different platforms that you want them to find you at, uh, and also anything that you would love to share that we haven't had the opportunity to talk about. 
just any last words for the people? Um, yeah, so LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn is powerful. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't have LinkedIn, you gotta get popping on LinkedIn. Okay, and what's uh, what's your uh, your LinkedIn name they can search uh, about? Just search for Edward Fry, F-R-Y-E, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. Okay, good stuff. You can find me there. Um, I'm on IG, you know, I kinda try to put stuff up. It's more about, you know, the kiddos and <laughs> experiences, but uh, yeah, I'm on IG, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, and yeah. anything that you want to share that you can get the opportunity to talk about? Um, yeah, I just say just, you know, continue to dive in, you know. Yeah. Um, stay abreast of the changes, you know, stay plugged in to, you know, LinkedIn's a good source. Um, you know, any information feeds you're using now, Twitter, mm -hmm. but figure out what it is you're interested in and just try to become an expert at that. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of opportunities. The industry is set up now for people that are just looking to pivot, you know, make yeah. a change, get into tech. Uh, again, it's not about, again, pushing and unplugging cords and cables. <laughs> it's pretty much software and services. Mm -hmm. So understanding some language, Python, TypeScript, C Sharp, whatever it is, mm -hmm. I think everyone needs to know a language. Okay. Uh, for sure. All right, that's my homework assignment, to, yeah. to learn a language. Yeah, just, you know, it's well documented. There's tons of free training there's cheap training mm -hmm. you don't have to pay eight grand for a boot camp yeah i use udemy still i mean it's great topics you know if mm -hmm. something you want to know about youtube it you yeah know, that gets you started that's good but um at the end of the day it's just you know just it's a journey you yeah. know it's non-stop so you just just keep evolving Good stuff. Stay close. Yeah. Man, thank you so much. Look, I hope sure. y'all got as much out of this as I got out of this. I was very excited to have uh, to have Ed come on, and I'm sure y'all can see, or those who just listening, you can hear as to why I was so excited to have him come on. Uh, look, y'all, please let us know what you thought about this episode. Uh, let us know in the comment section on whatever social channels that you're watching or listening to this on. Uh, also, let us know what it is that you want us to do next, different types of guests that you want us to have on. Make sure that you are following Ed, supporting him him in his endeavors. Eventually, he's going to come up with some other idea that's going to be ahead of its time, <laughs> but it's going to be more in, in tune with the time that the technology is going to be able to support his futuristic ideas. So make on. sure you support that. Oh, he said he worked. He worked. Yeah. So watch. Watch and stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, aside from that, make sure y'all do all of the stuff, the liking, the subscribing, sharing this, all of that good stuff, everything to allow this information to, to make it out to other people. The same way that that Ed's mother was used to, to, to basically show him, to have him step into like his, his first experience within technology and now that's completely transformed his life. You can also be used with sharing this with someone else and this being able to be the spark that'll show someone, hey, maybe I should consider this industry. Apart from that, we love y'all. We'll see y'all on the next episode of Tech is a New Black.